Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Paperback with Mac. This is Mackenzie Stevens, and you're listening to episode three. Joining me today is a good friend of mine who is really passionate about integrating social justice and anti-oppressive education into her future classroom. She is currently studying to be an early education teacher and also wrote a children's book that really represents her future ideas to address students' partialities and stereotypical knowledges they come into their educational experience with. So without further ado, let's get started and welcome Julia. Hello, Julia. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. So you wrote a children's book for a class project, correct? Yes, I did. Um, I wrote a children's book. It's called So You're Different Than Me. Um, it was for one of my educational psychology courses here at U of I. Okay. Could you give me like a brief explanation of your schooling background in the field of education and why you decided to pursue that as your degree? That's a great question. (laughs) So um, I'm a sophomore in elementary education and I'm also minoring in Spanish. I hope to to teach at a bilingual school someday. So that's that's the goal. Let's see. So a brief explanation of my school. Yeah, that's what I would consider as my brief explanation. Anyway, okay. so um, my mom was a teacher, so I grew up um, just kind of seeing her work with her students. And I it looked so fun. And I am I, I like nanny over the summer. I've been doing this for a few years now. And just seeing the kids learn and grow, they they observe, observe, observe everything like they're so attentive to everything that I do and I can just see them grow and they ask like such good questions like and it's amazing like when you give them the answer then like they keep asking more and learning more and I just I love it and I can't wait to do that like I that's the best job ever to me Mm -hmm. so I'm super excited to start teaching um I also had a really good um first grade teacher she just well, I, I'm sure we'll talk about this later, but she developed great relationships with all of the students and all of our parents. And I just, it was such a great like environment, a positive one for sure. Like we would walk in and she would be sitting at the door every morning and ask like how we were, like if we did anything fun, like the night before. And I would just be so excited to talk to her. And she really felt like, she made me feel like I was super important. So mm-hmm. I hope to do that with my students someday. Yeah, I feel like teachers are the biggest inspiration for their students to become teachers. I mean, I just remember my junior year, my U.S. history teacher, she was literally the reason why I finally decided like, okay, I know this is what I'm doing for the rest of my life because I want, I literally want to be you someday was Mm -hmm. what I was thinking. So I completely understand that kind of inspiration to pursue it as a career. So could you kind of explain what your book is about and other than having it assigned as a project, what your inspiration for it was? Okay, yeah. In our Education 202 class, so Social Justice in Education, um, I, our professor, she really emphasized storytelling and the power behind it. 
So when I was giving this project to another one of my classes, I, I was like, storytelling, like I want to do something with storytelling because it, it's such an easy way for people to bond. Like, it, like I, I just, I picture myself with my friends, like telling them funny, weird stories. And it's just a great way to bond with people. And you gain like a deeper understanding of where they come from and what's important to them. So um, I chose a book and then a, an elementary um, like level book, just because like, I that that's what I want to teach. And those are the kids that I am familiar working with. Let's see. And then I, especially like back to education 202, like we, I really wanted to become, I, I really want to become an inclusive educator. So, and like address anti-oppressive education in the classroom. So I think just, I, I felt that I could do that by writing a book where the kids will be able to share their personal story. And then I, I wanted the book to prompt them to ask more questions about this super complex topic, because like, I think at the younger ages, you can just throw out like this huge, like complex issue at them, like that'll, that will overwhelm them, they won't understand it. So if you just kind of give them the basics of it, and just kind of set up a situation where they can ask more questions and just kind of gradually understand it. Um, that was kind of my approach to to that. So I, I wanted this book to be something that I could use as a teacher someday and just help myself become a more inclusive educator. Yeah, I know that your the book is a little, it was different than I expected because when I read it, normally children's books kind of talk about that kind of thing, starting from them at a young age, experiencing diversity and inclusivity, but yours takes a little bit of a different format where it's a little more reflective on past experience. So could you maybe talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so I wanted to start by, so the character actually re represents me. I'm like sure you've been able to figure that out, but um, it kind of, I wanted to be able to share my entire experience from just like an elementary student all the way through, um, all the way to me going to college and just being shocked because I came from like a very, like very white community. And I, I, I missed out on so many things just because I only got one perspective all of the time from everyone. And I just, <laughs> I, I really wanted to be able to share that story. And I wanted students to see that like even now as like an adult, I'm reflecting back on that time as a child and in elementary and middle school. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and then has the writing process of just like going through and reflecting on your experience, like you said, coming up with the final product of the book and really like seeing it all finished, has it provoked any thought about how you might implement the ideas you wrote about in the book into your future classroom? Yeah, so um, writing this book actually um, really helped. And one thing that I was thinking of, I wanna have books in my classroom that kind of mirror my students. Um, it goes back to like the TED um, video um, about single stories. I don't know if like, if you wanna provide the link to that later, but mm -hmm. um, a great video. And I was, I was kind of thinking of that, like how, I don't want to just hand my students books with a whole bunch of like, I don't know, like white um, privileged characters in it. Like they're not going to be able to connect with the books as much. That's being a part of the, that's being part of the issue. So I, I 
while writing this, I was like, okay, I want the students to, I want the book to mirror the students. And I thought the best way to do that would be having them actually apply their life to it while reading it. So the illustrations are a little different. I guess you could say they're non-existent um, because there is a space provided on each of the page um, for the child to kind of reflect and um, apply my story and kind of like how it kind of plays out in their own life. So there's like a little bit, um, there's like a little instruction on what I want them to try and like draw or like share in the space provided. And so that just, again, it like reinforces storytelling like, and then like the student, like the book mirroring the student in their life. So I just think that's gonna help me as an educator be more inclusive and not be part of the problem by just feeding students these books that um, they can't really connect with and that only share like one view. Um, I, yeah, so I think that'll really help as a teacher. And the while I was writing the book, I think I just really gained a better understanding of how I can do this on a regular basis. Okay. So kind of taking the idea of partiality and parcel knowledges, in your book, you emphasize the importance of teaching students from a young age about their partial knowledge. Um, and then throughout the book, you take us through the students' initial experience of their, their limited social group, which was yourself, you've talked about. Um, and then later, how your friend group and your circle became more inclusive and more diverse and how it allowed you to see the world as so much larger and through different perspectives. So could you talk about your reasoning for addressing that partiality at such a young age? Yeah, so they pick up on so many things that I do as an adult um, or kind of just from one, because like they're, they're still developing their ideas about the world. So they're not really like, oh, I want to like support like this group or like this person isn't as good as as good as me like because they're different or like they aren't like they don't have like the same skin color as me so like I'm not going to treat them the same way so they they're just asking like these innocent questions and I think that just is a great way for like that's a great outlet for educators and parents to like kind of swoop into that and and then aside from books because I know we're talking about how books from a young age is really important because they can read it and understand it. And even with your book, it's a little more hands-on so they can understand it within their own lives. But with the educational background that you have, um, do you have any ideas of how teachers might, aside from books, be able to incorporate the ideas of partial knowledge into their curriculum? Yeah, as like when they're super little, and they also like apply what I'm telling them at super young ages and they'll keep using that. So like, for instance, like some of the kids that I nanny, I've been nannying them for like over three years. So I've really seen that progression from like preschool into like, I don't know, like first grade. So things that I have told them, like even as like a preschooler or like when I explain to them why I'm doing something, they will use that and remember it. like years to follow so I think it's so important to to make them aware of the issue at this young age that way they can start to start to like question it and like I said earlier the younger kids are so great at asking so many questions that mm -hmm. aren't like 
biased or like so I would first say like just to like go back to the book thing just for a second like teachers should be seeking out books that mirror their students I can't emphasize that enough um and then go out and see curriculum that's going to benefit all of your students and instead of like just getting like the typical things that are written by just a white perspective and then a great idea like that um, I heard a while back and I think um, I, I would love to use in my classroom someday is like bringing community members and parents into the classroom um, and just like use their backgrounds um, just to share their skill sets with your students so they're going to see like all of these people from their community and different people who have been successful and are doing these things with their life. And I just think that's going to be an excellent way to not only connect with the community, but like connect with the students and have the students connect with their community. And then I would also say the teacher has a responsibility to go out into the community and get to know where their kids, um, well, like their students are coming from. Having a lot of educators commute. So if, if they're from a completely different area, like you could be like, I don't know, 20 miles away from your school and it'd be a completely different community and um, situation. So if, like, for example, with all of like the online learning that's happening right now, if you're coming from a, definitely a community with higher so, um, so, so, social economic status, like um, you're just kind of gonna go into that uh, different school district and assume that the, children have the resources at home, like a good internet connection on um, like a nice computer and like maybe different like art supplies they're just going to have like sitting around their house. Well, that, that might not be the case. So the teacher needs to make sure that they have an idea of what resources the students will have at home. And that's even more important with the online learning. I did not want to forget about Brave Spaces. So um, if you... <laughs> In your classroom, instead of just having a safe space where students are like they aren't afraid to just like share their opinion or their idea because they're they don't think that they'll be challenged or they won't be challenged, um, that's not going to be a very productive environment. So um, instead, I would say have a, have brave spaces in your classroom for discussion. Make sure that the students aren't afraid to share their ideas, like um and like their experiences personally and then make sure that like other students are going to challenge that and then like just kind of create a dialogue there where they're challenging the norm and not being afraid to like receive feedback on their personal experiences or opinions um, and that's going to be more productive for your class and the school as a whole as far as making them more aware of social justice. Yeah, and I think even talking about students going into the community and learning more about their students is also an example of like, you can implement brave space for your students, but I also think as educators and coworkers working together, I feel like they need to also create a brave space amongst themselves so that they can be a little more open to like constructive criticism and suggestions on how to, you know, be better with addressing partiality, anti-oppressive education, and all of those other issues that are so prevalent right now, which is, I guess, something that we haven't talked much about in 
the class that we're in together. But I think it's also something that's important that goes off of that idea. Another big concept that we've talked about before would be schooling versus education. So based on our own personal experiences, we probably both know that students come into school with partial knowledge taught to them outside of the classroom. So when thinking about the difference between schooling and education, how could students' education outside of the classroom affect their experience with partial knowledge? And then how might teachers encourage students to validate what they learn by seeking insight from different perspectives? I would say a lot of students, especially going into middle, um, especially going into elementary school, they've only kind of heard their parents' perspective. And like a lot of the times like family will have, um, families will have like the news just kind of running in the background in the house at different points. And they're only getting that certain news channel that maybe like the parents always have on or different stuff like that. So I think like once you get into school, like you're exposed to so many new things in the first place, but teachers need to kind of say, not, not say, but like make sure that they're addressing that the information that students are getting at home may not always be correct. Um, they could be coming in with all of these different misknowledges about different groups of people. And um, I think like a teacher's job is to make sure that they're educating students about different groups of people and sharing multiple stories about them. Because I mean, I, the media is great at just sharing one story about a certain group of people and um, I like kids will pick up on that. So it's important, like, let's say, I don't know, let's say like um, there's a big event that happens in the world and they're sharing it on the media and they're, they, they, they portray a certain group as very violent. Um, and so then like the student may just, like it's easy for them to just think, oh, well, they're violent. Like, I don't wanna like talk or work with them and things like that. But in the, when they come to school, then the teacher has the ability to say, learn on um, like hear this story about this group of people or um, go ahead and do this activity um, or like work with these students, like let them share their stories because they may be part of this group or like identify with this group, but they um, are not violent. Like it, you're just getting one story. So what you have, it's um, not like the whole thing. So mm -hmm. I think teachers, they're in a great position to go ahead and say, um, like, here are these different stories and you should learn and listen to them. That way you have a complete understanding. Yeah. And then with the idea of parents, I know that part of the difficulty in addressing parcel knowledge is, is that tension between, am I crossing a line? Are parents going to be upset with me? Um, so how can teachers ethically address students' partial knowledges without crossing that line with their parents? And then what should parents keep in mind when expressing their opinions around their children? Because that's a big part of it, too, is parents, like you said, children learn a lot of what they come to school with from their parents. So how can parents work to make that job easier for educators? Yeah, I would say um, parents and teachers, like that relationship is super important. And I know I've talked to some other educators who have said, like right off the bat at the beginning of the school year, I call the parents and get to know them. 
Um, just like asking them if there's anything I should know about the student or anything they want me to know. Um, and just kind of start building that relationship early on. Because then if you're initially calling them, um, not about an issue, but just to talk and get to know them, then they're going to be much more willing to help it, like help you address like misknowledges and partial mm -hmm. knowledge, like later down the line throughout the year. Because if your first call to the parents or like first communication with them is about an issue they have with their like student, then that, that relationship is going to be built um, kind of around negativity and it won't be a very good working relationship. So mm -hmm. the teacher should um, just like be willing to listen to the parents right off the bat and um, just like get to know them and get to know what the student's home situation is like. And that's just really going to help the transition from school to home and home to school. And you kind of have a better idea of what students have been exposed to. And so overall, I think that initial phone call would be extremely help, helpful in building a working relationship with the student's parents. Okay. So going back to your book, I know that anti-oppressive education is a really big concept and there's a lot of different you know, ideas within it to be addressed, but your children's book addresses it in multiple ways. So could you explain your thought process in writing your children's book through an anti-oppressive lens and what kind of went into that? Yeah, um, I wanted my book to help students understand their position in kind of our oppressive society, um, because I mean, everyone has like a role in it. Like, I mean, especially with them ha like making their own illustrations along with my story, I think like that will really help them identify their role in kind of creating this oppressive environment. So I think that might encourage them, at least I'm hoping it will encourage them to go out and say, yeah, I think I'm doing this. And like, I, I want to make sure like I don't want to. So I'm hoping that it will encourage them to actively seek out like diverse friend groups and different people and like want to work with them and learn from them. Because I think like, especially at like the young ages, they're, they're, they're going to look at that and say, oh, well, I want to learn more. They're so eager to learn. So if like in my book, I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I'm sharing my story and saying like, I have, I did not have a complete understanding of everything. And I wasn't able to learn as much because I was so like closed minded and not intentionally, but because I was never told to do otherwise. So mm -hmm. uh, I just, I really hope it encourages them to like take action and switch things up a little bit. So I think that that really kind of begins like this whole idea of anti-oppressive education in my book. Mm -hmm. Right, and then I know going off of that, what do you think would be like, in? Considering other aspects of anti-oppressive education, aside from partiality, et cetera, um, how do you think educators could implement other aspects of anti-oppressive education into their classroom? I think um, educators should be working together to kind of make, kind of like grass, gra grassroots activism, like kind of take their students' experiences it, like be able to see and recognize this is the issue this is what happened this is what is happening in our district so we need to work together to make our school more inclusive 
and kind of make a difference in the community. And hopefully that'll have a ripple effect for everyone else. But teachers can't just say like, oh, we, we're just gonna fix it in this classroom who that's part of like this school mm-hmm. as part of a larger district like th- that's not like you need to be able to make a larger difference than that because once students leave your classroom what's going to happen so like they're they're just gonna go into another classroom that may not even have any form of anti-oppressive education going on social justice education so then all of that is kind of taking a step backward so it's the teacher's job to actively work for their students in their district mm-hmm. and make sure that they're making a path for them to continue their experience in social justice education because it, it shouldn't stop once they leave that teacher's door. Right. And then outside of your book, I know both of us are working on projects right now and you and a few of our classmates are working on a website with resources for educators to implement these ideas into their classroom, which is a lot of what we've talked about today. So did you want to talk about that website a little bit and kind of give us like a sneak peek of what we can find there? Yeah, so um, for our final project, we are working on a website that has lots of resources for elementary educators specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of it does kind of get into sixth and seventh grade, but it's, it's majority elementary ed. So we have um, a homepage that um, explains how you can translate every lesson and website and resource. That way it's not just all of these English resources. Like we want, we want them to be accessible to a wider population. How complex this issue runs in like education until I got into college. So um, I think it would really help if they just had a basis like for understanding before they try to implement these ideas in their classroom and then we also have specific lessons for different age groups and grade levels um some of these we developed ourselves and some we have found um on a variety of different websites we have a a couple featured websites that have like tons of resources for them to use so that's super exciting we have an explanation on um, safe and brave spaces um, on there and then strategies for implementing a brave space. So that would definitely be something good for educators to check out. I think that is one of our main focuses on the website. Then we also have another page where it gives specific strategies for teachers to engage in anti-oppressive education and how they can bring this idea of social justice um, like into their classroom with their students like at these young ages. So we have many resources um, and then like along with different strategies, we also share um, different books, podcasts, uh, books, yeah, books and podcasts that kind of can educate the teacher on the issue in the first place, because um, at least I was not aware of, and then I guess, I, I think, yeah, I think the Brave versus Safe Space, Safe Space page is going to be a great resource, resource for educators, and it kind of makes our website unique. Um, And then we also will have a blog. I think we just finished interviewing a few teachers in the area and um, we are featuring them. And they just talk about their strategies of making, of creating an inclusive classroom, especially during the pandemic and with all this virtual learning. Mm -hmm. And then just different posts that give more resources and strategies for teachers to use. Um, They'll be able to comment and like kind of discuss in a 
forum, different ideas that other educators have, or like how it relates to the post. So we want to have, we want to create a community for educators on sharing ideas and talking about this complex topic. Because I think sometimes there's not really a good space to do that. So we hope that our website will help um, elementary educators with that. That's so exciting. I am excited to check it out myself once it's all put together. So thank you so much for coming and talking with me today. I am jealous for your future students because <laughs> you are gonna be an amazing teacher. But yeah, thank you so much for coming today. Your book is amazing. Um, I definitely think it's something that teachers should look into implementing into their classroom. And like you're just talking about, your website is gonna be an amazing space for teachers to find some great resources. So I definitely am looking forward to sharing with that with my listeners. So thank you so much. It was great having you. Yeah, thanks for having me. I want to give a special thanks to Julia for joining me on my episode today because I really, really, really enjoyed our conversation and think it's really important to learn how to take these ideas we've been talking about and put them into specific actions in the classroom. Additionally, just like any other episode, I'd love to hear your feedback or personal experience with the content that we talked about today. So to reach me, you can go to anchor.fm slash Mackenzie Stevens to leave me a voice message. And you can find me also on Paperback with Mac on Instagram. Leave me a message and we can get some conversation started. I look forward to hearing from you guys. All right, so thank you all again for listening to another episode of Paperback with Mac. Thank you, Julia, for joining me today. And I can't wait to talk to you all soon and keep co-creating knowledge together.